Подача Остин! Все-таки Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markson, I'm the host of the show, and I'd like to thank you for joining us. Whether this is your first time listening to the show or you've been a long-time listener, I hope that you enjoy it. And before we go any further, I'd like to point you in the direction of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. For match day edits, polls, competitions, and more, be sure to check out the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. Matt, who runs the page, has been a supporter of this show since the very beginning. He did the logo, he's been a guest, he's answered tons of my questions, and I couldn't do this without him. So head on over to We Are Southampton on Instagram and be sure to subscribe and check out what he has going on over there. The link to that is in the show notes if you need it. Moving on from there, this week obviously we lost to United, 1-0 at home. I will talk about all of that with my guest Dan James, who was on Twitter at TheDanJames uh, in just a little bit. Uh, but before we get there... Uh, I learned a valuable lesson this week, which is that if you make jokes on the internet, people will make jokes about you, and you will eventually become the icon on somebody's group chat, and they will call you horrible names. And um, I don't regret it at all. I really enjoyed it, and I will probably do it again. One more thing before we get into the actual interview with Dan. Uh, the Football Supporters Federation are hosting the FSF Awards 2017. Nominations are now open for things like Best Fanzine, Best Online Media, uh, Writer of the Year, Podcast of the Year. Uh, club liaison officer, things like that. So if you have any of those things kind of in your mind about uh, a particular podcast, a uh, writer, a fanzine uh, that you would like to put up for nomination, uh, be sure to go over to the Football Supporters Federation website and nominate whoever that is. I've put the link to the nomination page in the show notes, so be sure to head on over there and and do that. Um, they have made specific categories for bloggers or online media, which it would be like uh, any of any of the kind of things that you follow along on Twitter here uh, versus fanzine, which is an actual paper fanzine. Uh, so I don't, I'm not quite sure the ugly inside goes into that, but they can go for the online media uh, and things like that. So head on over there, nominate who you would like, if you would like, um, if that's something you're interested in. Um, I, I think we should all nominate Hugo Schechter for club liaison officer. Um, but yeah, that's just me. So if you were going to do one thing, I would say nominate him. And I think everybody can get behind that. But, uh, anyway, head on over there, do that. If you want to, if you don't want to, no big deal. And now let's go ahead and move to my conversation with Dan James. Once again, you can find him on Twitter at the Dan James. And we'll have that right after this. International podcast day is September 30th, and you can help spread the word. You may be asking, what can I do to get involved? It's pretty simple. Head over to internationalpodcastday.com and check the suggestions. Then use hashtag International Podcast Day to join the conversation. You can reach out and connect with other podcasters, listeners, and your favorite podcast hosts. Remember September 30th, International Podcast Day, a day-long celebration of the power of podcasts. So we'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all the SFC fans, Dan James. You can find him on Twitter at the Dan James, and you may recognize him from The Ugly Inside. And there's a lot more to him than just that. And so, Dan, welcome to the show. We'll get to know you a little bit, and then we'll talk about uh, talk about Saints. Yeah, hi. Thanks for having me on. Oh, my, yeah. my pleasure. I know we kind of set this up a while ago, but we're here now, and, and I'm, I'm excited. And I don't know a, a ton about you, other than you know what I what I've seen there uh, on The Ugly Inside and things like that, but how did you 
first become a Saints fan? And you know, have you been? Are you from Southampton? What, what, what yeah, kind of stuff so yeah, I was. I, I was born in Southampton. From Southampton, I could, I've been a fan as long as I can remember. I remember in primary school being one of the only kids who used to wear um, a Southampton shirt, and that was sort of a time we started off when we were in the Premier League. But as a as I went through school, that was when we started started going down. So yeah, um, been a Southampton fan most of my life. I'm a season ticket holder in the Northern at the minute, but I've uh, used to be in the Chapel, uh, in the Quiet End, and also in the Itchen. But yeah, you, you mentioned you were one of the only ones that used to wear a Southampton shirt when you were going to school. Yeah. What yeah. What did the other kids wear? Uh, standard sort of, you know, your Man Uniteds, your Arsenal's, uh, a couple of Liverpool's. That was about it, really. So it happens there too, huh? Yeah, it happens there too, unfortunately. That's all right. Nothing you can do. <laughs> Nothing you can do. Um, lots of the kids, I, I've said this before, but lots of the kids when I wear last year's jersey, because I teach at a high school, and they always think okay. I'm one of the teams from Mexico. And then they always, they, they whistle <laughs> at me and they, they, they say some stuff and then they get closer and realize it's the wrong team. But, uh, <laughs> and it's funny because it happens every year. Like you get a new batch of freshman kids who do it every year and they never seem to, I'm I'm slowly trying to trying to educate them, but it's not in in both in more ways than one. And it's not it doesn't always work. But (laughs) (laughs) and so from kind of being a fan and and how long have you have you been a season ticket holder? You said uh, some time. Did you did you start going with like your your dad or your parents or anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started going with my dad when I was quite young. I can't put I can't put a date on it. But yeah, it was back when we were in the Premier League. I think it was either the year before we got relegated or the year we got relegated. No, it was definitely the year before because uh, uh, I remember going then. Uh, so I was a season ticket holder then. We were in the chapel. I think one season we stopped for some reason or another, but we got the half season ticket for the second half of the season uh, in the itchen and then been going ever since, really. Okay. All right. And and then you got brothers and sisters who go with you or anything? Uh, yeah, my brother, He's he's got a season ticket as well. He's not with me in the Northern, but uh, he, he comes to quite a few of the away games with me as well. So, um, yeah. You travel with the, most of the away games? Uh, yeah, I don't know if you saw. Yeah, I've uh, not missed one for three years yet since yesterday. Uh, oh, geez, I missed that. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's amazing. That's cool. Yeah. Um, that's fantastic. Yeah, was, Arsenal away in 2014 was the last one I missed in the cup when uh, Klein scored the Thunderbolt and uh, Mane scored as well, but yeah, Man. no, it wasn't Mane. It was Tadic. Mane went down for the penalty or something like that. I can't remember. We, we is... won. Man, that's a long time. It is, yeah, and a lot of money. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> that is a huge amount of money. And yeah, yeah. I don't even know. I don't. I mean, I have questions about it, but I don't even know how to ask him at this point. So <laughs> we'll skip that. Um, we can move on. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, that's amazing. So how how did you go from? You know, when, I guess when did you make that decision to to start doing the the travel stuff? Like when when did that was it? When you um, could start to drive your yourself or? Uh, it sort of started sort of started when I really started working properly, really, because obviously um, I, w- I was lucky enough, to, you know, to be able to go to home games and all that. Um, but with the away games, obviously the cost involved in it is so much more. And if you're not in a job, you and you don't have any income sort of thing you can't really go so yeah when i started working really so probably i started really going uh back in 2012 13 yeah all right all right mm. and uh you, you have a favorite away ground oh favorite away ground see i've got quite a few actually because like each ground has its own perk sort of thing um the emirates is one of the nicest stadiums that i've been to but it's just way too quiet mm-hmm. um Fulham away when we won three. No, I love Fulham. It's a nice little ground. Everything's sort of all very tight in. Nice old traditional ground. Um, 
yeah, I'll say Fulham was good. All right. And we got a good, and we got a good result there. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. The, the, the knock on the Emirates is that it's too comfortable for everyone. Uh, away, away fans, away teams, everything. So. <laughs> yeah. Like I was, the chairs you get, I think that, I think they've even got padded chairs there just like in the normal section. It's crazy. Yeah. That's, mm. Hey man. Whatever you want to do that, that's, that's fine. I don't. No, I, that's the thing, you know. You give me a padded chair, I don't. You won't even sit on it. So, more for you guys, really. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to your work in a second. But how did how did you go from just kind of watching the matches to winding up where I first saw you on on the ugly inside? I don't know, really. Like, obviously, over here, I don't know if it is the same over there, but Arsenal fan TV is massive here. Uh, we, me and my friends, we watch it. We talk about it, mainly taking the mick out of how crazy them guys are right and then um actually i noticed that freddie from the ugly inside was obviously doing fan cams just sort of went on there i think my one of my first ones was an away game um it was either aston villa away or it may have been a home game but they just started carrying on since then really and it's sort of become pretty much every week popping over to see him and uh, having a chat basically yeah you're pretty consistent Mm. contributor yeah i guess yeah familiar face and then last year Mm -hmm. you also did the kind of end of the season roundup um yeah i mean yeah, so Freddie approached me, said, oh, we're doing sort of the end of season reviews. And we went down, had a few drinks and had a chat about the season. So, yeah, it was quite good. Yeah, it's a bit too early when the games are on here to have any drinks usually. Usually it's about <laughs> 7 a.m. It's a, no, right. yeah, speaking of that, Crystal Palace last week uh, with the early kickoff absolutely killed us. Started drinking way too early. <laughs> yeah. And then did you take the train back then or did somebody you on the, uh, on yeah, the coach? Yeah, so it varies really. It depends on like where, where it is, how far you've got to travel what's easier so like last weekend the train was 12 pounds return so you can't really go wrong there no no it sounds sounds like the way to go we attempted to use public transit last week we were in a big city and it just turned into a nightmare and i wound up like yeah getting off halfway through and just calling an uber and using it so (laughs) i just gave up but yeah it's embarrassing but you mentioned uh, before we started recording you you work for the saints foundation you do some coaching for them um yeah how how long have you been doing that and kind of if, if for anybody who doesn't know what 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 is what is the saints foundation kind of really all about and what do you do yeah so i was lucky enough for, like to start with the saints foundation my old football coach he um he was in the management side of the foundation so he managed to get me a role in volunteering with them so i started off volunteering i volunteered for my, a summer a whole summer in between my first and second year of college so i volunteered for the whole summer and then through that got uh, got a job basically um as a casual coach uh so i do sort of my main side of it is sort of in the youth inclusion so getting kids involved in football off the street um not necessarily always in football we're doing multi-sports or dance boxing lots of different workshops from outside agencies come in to help them with anything that they need help with um also work with the football development program as well uh, which is basically where we go into schools. Uh, we deliver PE lessons, after school clubs. Uh, we do coaching centers. We do, even we do coach education. So we go out to, uh, local teams and educate not only the kids in how to play football, but often it's a parent who's only got sort of like the basic level coaching and we sort of give them pointers in how they can improve as well. So obviously it's better for the kids, but it's also better for the coaches too. And on the whole, as the foundation, I could go on. Uh, the list keeps getting bigger, really. We, we target quite mainly in the sort of the local area, but uh, I'm guessing you guys may have seen that we do work over in Lesotho in um, in Africa. Uh, they go out uh, sort of, I think it's every two years maybe, and they go out and work out there. The list goes on. All right. 
And and you guys focus mostly or a lot of stuff. A lot of the focus is around the kind of greater Southampton area, getting those kids involved in things, or is it kind of spread out uh, wider than that? Yeah, so um, obviously quite a lot of what we do is in the Southampton area, but um, nice me being boastful. Being one of the bigger clubs in the area and the South Coast, we, our area sort of expands slightly. So we work, as we go up to Salisbury, Winchester, uh, Basingstoke, I think we're starting as well. So we're, we're gradually pushing our horizons out, but not taking the focus away from Southampton, which is obviously the local area. Because obviously we do get quite a lot of fans that travel to home games from those areas. So it right. makes sense for, uh, for the foundation to push out there as well, sort of thing. And, and if I can ask kind of what is your relationship with the team in terms of the foundation and the team? Like how closely do you work with, with the actual football club? Uh, in terms of getting stuff there for a match day and getting kids exposure that way? Quite a common misconception is, oh, Saints Foundation, that's Southampton Football Club. Why, what, you know, people would say, oh, why would you need to donate the money there to Southampton Football? We're, the foundation's independent from the club in terms of finances, but in terms of operations, it's pretty close. So obviously it's based down at St. Mary's at the ground. Um, quite a lot of goes on, uh, particularly on match days. So mascots are looked after by the foundation. Um, probably something that's not know, well known is the foundation give out so many tickets to participants of sessions, uh, locals, and you know, there's, you know, there's like competitions as well. So, um, there is a lot that goes on between the two, although they're completely independent financially. All right. Yeah. See, I didn't, I didn't realize about the tickets. I knew no. the mascots and stuff, but not. Yeah. So yeah, the tip, um, I mean, like say, for example, I do a session on a Friday evening, one of the, uh, youth sort of drop in sessions and, uh, Every now and then, it's obviously not every single week, but every now and then, it's sort of our department's turn to give out some tickets, and they get free tickets. All right, that sounds pretty cool. Because obviously, for, for for some of the kids and uh, even some of the adults that take part in some of the sessions, um, they don't have the money or the chance to go to a game. So to give them that chance, you know, it's 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 good. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I think that's I think that's fantastic. And um, yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's great. And uh, thanks for sharing, you know, that no stuff problem. about the foundation. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that. Um, as you have kind of gone through both like the, I don't know, I guess with the, with the ugly inside TV and, and all that stuff and, and the foundation stuff, um, has that kind of changed the way you watch the football club from the time when you were younger to, to now? Has that kind of had an impact on how you view the, the club and the, and the play on the field or otherwise? Um, I, well, definitely. Yeah. I mean, as I've grown older, I did a degree in sports coaching as well. So, I mean, I look at football, you know, I try, obviously I do support the team but I also try and put my coach's head on thinking you know what these lot are saying something that's completely wrong uh about the football and yeah so I do watch it differently I think definitely all right well uh you mind kind of putting that hat on and walking me through the the match a little bit yesterday is that all right I can I can try my best (laughs) all right now and I guess one one question I have when you when you go back to the to the tv thing knowing you have to go do that are you looking for kind of points that stand out to you because you know you're doing that in advance or you just you just kind of watch the game and you just have that stuff in your head anyway and then no, you go I just, just going along there really i'm just saying what i think basically i don't think oh definitely going to talk about that you know freddie freddie's really good at asking the questions and uh he's he, he varies them up as well like every, if, you, if you watch every interview not every single one's the same because he asks different questions i think that helps as well yeah, absolutely. I like he he does a fantastic job of at, yeah. at seemingly everything he does. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> granted, I only see him do this stuff. You know, I think he does great. Um, yeah. 
All right. So yesterday, obviously, we we lost to Manchester United one nil to to a Lukaku goal. Yep. But are are you disappointed? I guess just looking at it from from now, are you disappointed with kind of how it went? And then I guess we'll kind of get into the specifics. Oh, I'm always disappointed when we lose. Um, obviously, we go in to win. I think yesterday we, I think we just apart from the finishing, we did enough to win. So um, it is slightly disappointing, but looking on it we can take from yesterday quite a lot of things, really. I guess to start, uh, just to note, Man, Man U comes into yesterday with only two losses in the last 34 league matches. They have yeah. been, you know, they're they're Crazy phenomenal. record, yeah. Yeah, and lots it's of draws. Cl- it's, it's, clo- it's close to matching a record set by Ferguson, so um, it's uh, quite a good record. Yeah, and they had lots of draws last season, but this season they, yeah. they've made some additions. Uh, off the top of my head, you know, Lukaku yeah. and... and um, yeah. Matic. Matic, Matic, that's right. Yeah, I was trying to think of his Got first to be name. signing one of the signings of the season for me. I don't know why Chelsea have let him go. Right, crazy, crazy. Yeah. But they they look a lot more potent than they did last year. It looks like Mourinho maybe has a better. I think obviously he's had a chance to get a team how he wants it, and it's a classic Mourinho team. And I was saying this to someone yesterday. If you look at the core of their team, i.e., there's two centre halves. In yesterday, it was Jones and Bay, two big strong guys. Mm-hmm move forward into the midfield Fellaini and Matic two big guys two really strong guys on the ball and then Lukaku at the front the core of the team is really strong and then they've got the players out on the wings and in the attacking midfield to do damage basically yeah it's um it's really well set up yeah and on that kind of note what did you make of the way we set up yesterday uh, unchanged side from Palace the week before had a decent performance there, yeah. But what did you make when when that came out? Was that the was that the the team you were expecting? I'd be lying if I said I wasn't shocked to not see Van Dijk. But um, you know, Yoshida didn't really do anything wrong at Palace to lose his place. So um, yeah, uh, for me, I don't like criticizing our players, but I don't think Redmond's done enough this season. You know, he has a funny little spell in the game where he'll do some magic, and then for the rest of it, he'll just trot around not looking interested sort of thing. So yeah, maybe might not have played Redmond, but he did. So. All right. Um, is that one of the things maybe, cause, cause I've only ever watched on TV. And so the TV yeah. follows the ball. Of and course. Unless I'm really paying attention to well, who's who, who the commentators are not talking about. Then yeah. It, you know, well, you kinda... commentators, if you're in a Southampton game, will not talk about Southampton really, will they? Right. Right. There's <laughs> a, like a, there's like a running jug over here, match of the day last night. The whole talk was about Man United. I mean, they didn't really do anything in the game. Yeah, yeah. Talk about Saints. Talk about us. But yeah, frustrating, but yeah. <laughs> now, one of the things I pointed out, or I, I wrote down, uh, that I want to bring up later, is the fact that uh, they kept talking about how poorly Man United was playing, not about how, yeah. you know. Horrible, but, yeah. Hate, uh, hate that, yeah. Or, or was it, it at all? No credit to us at all, other than they, they exactly. did give Lamina some credit, but that, that was it. Well, yeah, because they're trying to sell him already. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um Walking through kind of the first half, where there, yeah. you know, it seemed like start of the game, the first twenty minutes seemed like we were kind of on top, and then they got the goal, they went ahead, and then yeah. it seemed like for the rest of that first half they were kind we of struggled on a bit. The foot we foot, struggled yeah. a bit, yeah. I think it, caught, it the the goal shocked us a bit. Um, we did start well, although I don't think we supported long enough up front. He was winning quite a lot of headers bringing the ball down quite well. And then there was no one running onto him, no one around him to give it to. And he, we obviously we kept losing it, but um, it was promising. Yeah. Now I don't want to get too far ahead, but like 
when we see that from Long, when we see that, and we know like a large part of that is even though he's a smaller guy, he get, he gets up there and wins the headers and he 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 pesters guys, and so yeah. he's knocking the ball down and we don't have anybody there. Is that a is that a personnel issue? Is that a a tactical issue? Is that a like a, the, the formation? What do we kind of what do we what do we do to to fix that? I guess it's like you know obviously slightly tactical, but for me it's the midfield. When that ball is going up, they have to get up there too. So that is your Redmonds yesterday. The Tadic is even Stephen Davis pushing on to support him from that clearance up to him. But as you said, Shane Long, he's got a leap on him. He'll run down everything. And I think that's what we've been missing at the start of the season. And uh, if you look at the Palace and yesterday's performance, he was key to this, you know, the legs up front. Mm-hmm. Now, because he's a striker that doesn't often score, yeah. um, does that, I mean, obviously you, you, you need, we need goals and there doesn't look like there's a whole lot of goals in our team at all uh, across that front line, but does, yeah. does playing him then, even though he wins the headers and stuff like that, does it kind of make it so you can't, you can't really play him or you still, you, you think you do that? And you I'm, just... I'm a firm believer and you have to play him. Uh, I think that is the point then is when your, your attacking midfielders have to chip him with goals. I mean, Tadic last season, not so much, but when he had Pella, he was scoring goals. He was setting up goals. Redmond, he can score goals. Uh, and you know, Davis can score goals. So, um, it's about, I think it's about other players just chipping in. You can't just rely on your strikers to score goals. Obviously, if you look at, um, Man City as an example, obviously we're not on their level. Obviously, Aguero and Jesus are scoring goals, but their midfielders come in and chip, chip in with goals as well. I think Sane scored yesterday. Sterling scored. So it's not, a fairly similar system in terms of the way we play, but those midfielders pushing forwards, they score goals. And I think that's what ours need to chip in with as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when we went with long up front yesterday, kind of my, my yeah. thinking was that we kind of were expecting United to come on to us a bit and maybe almost treat it almost like an away game in that we're going to be, yeah. we are going to be playing the ball long and looking for him to hold it up or run on, yeah. run onto it. I kind of, you know, obviously we hope that, guys will be able to get up there and it just didn't really seem mm. like they no it didn't didn't work did it really, no. and i don't i don't you know i don't really know how to how to solve that other than you know, no yeah keep, keep cheering and telling them to keep running but you know <laughs> i have to say though so the, the, when you talk about it, i thought the support yesterday from the crowd was unbelievable i think you know davis came out and said last week you know if the crowd can spur us on you know we can achieve things and i thought yesterday it was a really good support yesterday i did see some there was some argument kind of back and forth on Twitter, but one guy, I can't remember who it was, said, like, I haven't clapped the team off, off the field that hard after a loss ever. And I was, yeah, you know, I mean, after, yeah, even after the game, uh, the noise was, it was brilliant. And was it, was it pretty, I mean, looking around and obviously you're sitting around with the people, you probably at least have some yeah. idea who they are. Yeah. Everybody, you know, obviously disappointed to lose, but everybody kind of real, real that, recognized you know, that there were some positives there without saying, oh, we were happy to lose. I thought everyone was happy with the fact that the players put effort in, didn't bottle challenges, did keep trying. And, you know, at the end of the day, Man United are joint top of the table, unbeaten this season so far. And we've, we've given them a really good game. They brought on, I thought, three really defensive substitutions to try and shut up that game because, you know, we hadn't. Yeah. There, there were a lot of people saying that we didn't, deserve to lose and we probably deserve like you said earlier to win like we yeah, yeah. It, it's just we couldn't quite figure out how to get the ball over the line See, I, I think Romeo went close once or twice maybe uh, three times even yeah uh, Fellaini headed a ball <laughs> off the line there yeah. I mean there, it seemed like we were attacking in every way we could we took yeah. try shots from outside of the box we tried crosses mm-hmm. we tried all this stuff we mm-hmm. just couldn't quite unlock it and really I don't 
I don't think you can put any blame there. I think if you do that week after week, you you start scoring goals and winning matches. Oh, it's, it will come eventually. If we, if we continue playing like that, there's no doubt that it will come eventually. Um, some of the things that I, I, I really, really liked about uh, yesterday's performance was that I think people expect, like I even I did, for United to kind of take the game to us and us just to react. But we, for the most part, pressed them. They They didn't look great. And the no. commentators kind of mentioned that. But yeah. for me, it was, you know, how much of that were, were we forcing them to play bad balls and our pressure was actually yeah. causing them to do that. Um, is that kind of what you guys noticed as, as you're watching the match or did you think we I played mean, well? The intensity from the start was high from us, which, you know, uh, I, not, I've not watched every Man United game, but they've been fairly easy games. Uh, they've been sort of like three. I think it's probably the nar- their narrowest win this season, isn't it, really? Yeah. One yeah. of, because, uh, you know, they've been smashing three, four against people. So, you know, I think they could have possibly thought, yeah, we're going to come here and smash this. And they're like, hold on a minute. We've actually got a game on here. So the intensity started well. And if you look at a lot of their matches, they've scored a lot of late goals. In, in yeah, that goal- was one worry. So that was one worry for me when they just did nothing in the second half, but sit back that they were going to bring on Martial and he'd come on and score. That we've seen so much this season, but it didn't happen. So. No, no. And, and like you said before, they brought on very, very defensive. Very defensive. Yeah, yeah. Because I think they were they were worried. And I think for because I was worried about it, too. I was worried about them coming out and, and scoring goals late. But we we looked mm-hmm. more yeah. the team like we were going to score than them. And I think yeah, I think definitely. that's a testament to us. So, yeah, that, you know, the substitution is full credit to to the players on how they obviously made them think, oh, we need to make these changes. Yeah, yeah. Looking, taking a look at our substitutions. Uh, I, I, before we do that, did you notice that they they kept mentioning in our commentary here who looking like he was struggling with a knee injury? Said he was going through. He went through a fitness test before. Did he look like he was injured oh, okay. at all to you off the ball? Um, there was one period in the second half when I think there was a corner or something. He did go down there, but he got himself up. I didn't know anything about a knee injury, but uh, he played at Palace, didn't he? Uh, he played against Watford and obviously oh. played yesterday. I think he's settled in really quickly and. Having a left-footed player in the left centre-back position helps so much with our playing the ball out. But the guy reads the game well, and he's fairly strong too, so it's another good find. Yeah, I thought he played. I thought him and Yoshida did really, really well yesterday against Lukaku, who has just torched so many people. Yeah, recently and for for seasons past. But there was yeah. the one. Um, I've watched the replay of the goal. I don't know how many times. And there's <laughs> a lot of pushing and shoving going on before the ball ever yeah. gets delivered. Yeah, and yeah. um. It looked like Lukaku pushed Hoot away, and then as okay. Hoot came back in, he mm. kind of swept him back the other way. So Hoot's already kind of leaning in on him, and he, yeah. he was just able to pull him over and get the header back. And it was just like, you know, other than that one moment, I think I think they won they that They did battle. well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. The goal, I, I've only sort of like watched it once or twice back. Obviously, Forster's pulled off the save. Um, some say that he could have done better with it, but it was, you know, coming straight at him. He's done well to push it away. And for me personally, we saw it in the West Ham game is both goals then came from Forster saves and the defense are static and don't sort of react. So the only player that did react was the goal scorer. So that might be something to work on. It seemed like once Hoot went down, he never got back mm. up until the goal was scored. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, no, no, no performance is perfect, but I, I thought they were to be at least recognized for their, their efforts, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, and I guess looking forward, that's going to be an interesting yeah, I mean, so obviously we've got Hoot, Yoshida, Van Dijk and Stevens, four centre-halves now. So a lot of depth in that position. So it's going to be lots of competition for that space. Yeah, so I think it's going to be interesting to watch how that 
that that center back kind of pairing, you know, whether Van Dyke comes back in or whether, yeah. and, and you, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that we just have kind of no idea what it is. But from everything yeah. we've heard, it's maybe he's just not quite ready. Maybe he plays for the you know the under twenty threes again, even though he's maybe again, yeah, playing in, playing against children out there. Um, <laughs> just having, I mean, if you look at that team, it's, you, uh, it's it's game time, it's fitness, it's match sharpness, which is what he needs. So right, you know. He has to take it, really. Yeah, him, him, and Bednarak playing out there. It's just like, man, that's just probably not fair. Um, yeah, I, I totally forgot about Bednarak. That's another. So that's five center halves we've got. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. but hey, I, we were worried about that last season, and it seems like we yeah, addressed definitely. that. And now, yeah. you know, yeah. attacking midfield might might be an issue, and hopefully, <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully we address it. So, yeah, um, like obviously, I've said it a few times. Uh, obviously, we had the center back problem last season. And like you said, the attacking midfield or striker, I think we're slightly missing on that this season. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I guess on that note, you think we we address that need in January? You think we wait till next summer before we do anything? I think it's something probably to consider in January, definitely. Looking at the game so far where we've we've had chances to score, we haven't put them away. I just think we could do with someone else. Fresh face. Yeah, okay. Any, any other moments in the match kind of stand out to you? Any other points you wanted to make about the match against it was like Lamina was like a YouTube put together of all his best performances, but in that game, like he, uh, I said it in my fan cam. Fellaini usually walks past people. He usually not controls the midfield, but he he has the he has the ruling of the field because he's so big, because he's so strong. Uh, but Lamina gave him a tough game yesterday. He was dancing about, pulling off tricks, left quite a few players on the floor. I thought again, fantastic from him. Yeah. I remember last year we were all kind of really high on Romeo and we still are. Yeah. He's still great. But yeah. Lamina is just he's got a little bit more flair, a little bit more excitement to his game. Like yeah, he's got he's got that bit of flair, but you know, I think him and Romeo could develop that really good center center midfield pairing, which, you know, by far our best midfield pairing was Wanyama and Snidlin and I think that Lamina and uh Romeo, if we keep them together for a period of time, they could be as good, if not probably better than them too. I'm hoping, hoping they stay around long enough to, to make that Fingers happen. Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. Coming coming out of yesterday's match, obviously no points, but I think a lot of positives to take from it in yeah. terms of performance and individual players, whole team, all that stuff. Um, yeah. But this is three straight home losses for, for Pellegrino now. Um, yeah. Not scoring a whole lot. It, is the pressure starting to build? But it d- didn't really sound like it based on the way people were, were cheering. And it was very even noticeable even on TV here. Um, it seems mm. like people are... are behind him even though they're we are questioning kind of you know uh, mm. formations changes maybe or, yeah. or things like that but how did you you know from, from what you heard or whatever how did how did how, did, how are people feeling I don't about think the manager? there's any i don't think there's any pressure on the manager really from either the fans or i doubt the club are putting pressure on him it's just not the way that the club runs i don't think um obviously it's not the most ideal of starts uh, and obviously three losses on the bounce isn't what you want but if the team puts in performances like they did yesterday, the results are going to come. And at the end of the day, as as I've said, and as you said, everyone seems happy, even though we've lost. The performance is there. And, you know, if you pay your money to watch the team, if they put given 100%, and at the end of the day, Man United are a better team. If the best team wins, but you've tried, that's all you can do, really. Yeah, and I don't, I don't really see any reason to put pressure on the manager at this point. It seems like no. the the performances we've had the past two weeks, and, and take the Watford performance out of it, but the performance we've had, Less, we ha- we haven't done loads wrong. It's been similar to last season. It's tiny little lapses in concentration, tiny little errors that just lead to goals or or missing of chances. Really, 
Yeah, I guess I would say that the performances we've had over the last couple of weeks have been so much more intense than what we had last year. Yeah, definitely. Um, the intensity is so much higher. Yeah. And and I think for the manager to bring that out, whether that's whether that was there all along and Puel just kind of suppressed it, or whether that is the manager allowing the players or encouraging the players to go out and, and express themselves a little more, whatever it is, I yeah. think it's it's very much more enjoyable to watch than yeah. than what we had last year. And I think a lot of people that I talked to last year, that was the thing is that even if, even if we finish in the same spot, if we are playing kind of exciting and attractive matches in, in football, then, then okay, yeah. then we're doing all right. You know, I think last year we quite a lot of the games we set up not to lose as opposed to set out to go to win. Whereas now the mentality, I think there's a slight shift is we, you know, we heard it some play. We, we want to win, you know, last season bar you know the cup final that game we set out to win and probably one of our best performances of the season which again we lost but yeah i think there's been a slight mentality change in terms of the setup it's not too dissimilar but the intensity is higher which uh is good yeah and i think it, i think it counts for a lot in terms of yeah. what what we see when we when we watch i i think we're going in the right direction i honestly do you know like obviously with the buzz second recently We've not played many games. Was that yesterday was our sixth, seventh game? We've not played that many games this season. He's only just started, so you've got to give it time to settle. And with the infrastructure we've got, I can't see it being too long before we start getting those results, really. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, if that does it for you for the match, we have some listener questions that I think will help us kind of get get any other things that are out there. Yeah. Um, You okay with moving towards those? Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, The first one comes from Jay, who is at FFSJ on Twitter and he says <laughs> does Dan see the next three games as winnable and those games in case you were wondering Stoke uh, Stoke away Newcastle at home and then West Brom at home all three games we can win definitely um, Stoke obviously yesterday lost 4-0 to Chelsea um, they're a tough team to play at, at the Britannia oh, sorry it's not the Britannia anymore it's the Bet365 they create uh, yeah the Bet365 yeah uh, they create a good atmosphere up there um but, you know, there's been games up there that we've done really well. I think we can get a win up there. And then, obviously, Newcastle at home. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. I don't know if they've lost to Brighton today. They were losing to Brighton. Uh, I think, yeah, they did lose to Brighton. Uh, we like to play Newcastle at home. Uh, we've beaten them 4-0 a few times, so that would be nice. Uh, and then West Brom made quite a few good signings this summer. They sort of looked like they were off to a good start. And then, sort of, they've jolted a bit. So, um, again, it's not an easy game, but it's a game that's winnable. Yeah, I, I think at the very least you would expect us to be in all three of those games. Definitely, hundred percent. You know, we should, you know, after the way we played yesterday, if we take that into them, we should dominate all three. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm looking forward to to those. And I, you know, I, I do realize that our schedule to start the season has not been the toughest, maybe. No. Um, and that we do need to start putting some points on the board before we get yeah. too far into into November and December, but. Some big games coming up in November and December as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking at the schedule right now. It doesn't look. It's not inviting. That's for sure. Um, December's uh, well. Last week of November into December. Obviously, I'm just looking at it now as well. Everton at home. Then we go to City away on the Wednesday, and then we play Bournemouth away, and Arsenal. Then you know we got Chelsea, we got Man United, Tottenham all in that time. So um, we do like you said, we need to get some points on the board. Yeah. Next kind of question, and I think maybe we've kind of already addressed this. Two questions, actually, from uh, George, who's at Moroccan Messi. He says, do you think Lamina was a bargain considering today's market? We've got a good deal out of it. I think if you look at some of the money that people have spent on players, when you look at 
drink water went for silly money from Leicester to Chelsea. Chamberlain's going for up to 40 million to Liverpool, both midfielders. I mean, this is a guy who played in the Champions League final uh, last season for Juventus. Um, I think we've got a good deal. And if you look compare it to the prices that other people have paid, then you could say it's a little bit of a bargain, yeah. But I think we always do well with our deal, most of the time. All right. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Two questions kind of relating to our kind of our goal scoring. Good performances, mm-hmm. but yeah. how do we go about fixing our goal scoring? And, and George asked that as, along with Christian Candler, who's at uh, underscore Candler on Twitter. Um, I think we saw touching it, I think. Um, I think the midfielders need to chip in. I'd love to see Long and Gabbiadini playing up top somehow together. Maybe if either Gabbiadini plays in behind Long or vice versa, uh, Long in behind Gabbiadini. If them two could play together, you've got the, the legs of Long uh, to do the running and then Gabbiadini finding those little pockets. You know, that, that could work. All right. Uh, Bob Brown, who's at RSBrown80, uh, asks, considering the weakness in attack and the fact that personnel won't change until January, I think you just said it, how yeah. would you change how we currently have up front? You, you, would you go with two strikers? Would you go to three at the back maybe? Or would you kind of... Ha- there's all sorts of... Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of roads we can go down. We'd, I think we did try... Uh, for the last 10 or so minutes when Van Dyke came on the Palace, we went to three at the back. Right. Um, it's just, you know, one thing that we've got, which is increasing even more over the years, is the depth in the squad. We've got so many players to choose from of a good standard. And, uh, you know, a few years back, it was just academy players on the bench. You know, our benches didn't look as strong as it does today. So we've got options. Um, it's about putting the right players in those right places. So um, I don't know, for some reason or another, Buffao's, it's not fully worked for him. Uh, you know, some of the things you, that you hear, you know, at the training ground, it makes them all look silly with some of his skills and some of the things he does in the game are outrageous. It's just the end product, but he gets picked on that. He's got no end product, but not many of our players have had that end product either. So I think pushing Buffao in there could give us a chance. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think this goes back to kind of Pellegrino. As, like you say, we have so many options. We have so many players that can fulfill mm. so many different kind of roles. Yeah. And if you look at what Pellegrino did last year, he, his formations were very fluid, both from game to from match to match and in game. And yeah. seeing that he has those options here, he did well last year. Uh, in fact, the, the team that he was coaching, Alaves has already sacked their, yeah. the manager that replaced him. So, yeah, already. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they, they're, they're sitting near the bottom of the table and it's not, not going well. And so, f- you know, seeing that and seeing what he was able to get out of them. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, you know, that, that came out from when he first signed. I think it was either an interview that he'd done just when he signed or done it before was he tries to get the best out of each individual player, which will only benefit the team. So, yeah, I think his man management is quite good. Yes. Yes. Um, let's see. Let's say you want, you want a question on Charlie Austin first or you want a question on, uh, Dusan Tadic? We'll go with Charlie Austin first. Charlie Austin. All right. Jay, who's at SFC gem on Twitter says, what are your guys' opinion on Charlie Austin? Personally, I don't like him now offers nothing to the club. Brutal. <laughs> that's what I thought when I, wow. when, and maybe he's just, he's just setting us up. So we have something to talk about if that's so yeah. thank you, Jim. But I think Shane Long is higher in my pecking order than Charlie Austin, uh, simply for the fact that he runs. Um, Austin, you know, he's your poacher. He, you know, he can probably grab you a goal, but for me, he, his movement for one reason or another is not always the most mobile of players, but his movement for the system we play isn't enough. So, um, 
unless the system's slightly tweaked, but do you change the whole system for one player or try and fit him in? I think as he is at the minute, bringing him on as an impact sub, that might be the way forwards. Or unless there is a game that you're not going to have much of the ball in where you could play it to him to score, um, he's not my first choice. For you, in terms of if you had to go one, two, three with our striking options right now, uh, Gabby, Dini, Long, or Austin, who who goes where in that in that pecking order? Third is Austin. Um, one and two so tricky because obviously Gabby Dini is very intelligent. If you get the service to him, he'll score. That's something that we've lacked this season is the service to him. But the effect that Shane Long's had on our last two games with the legs, uh, with the winning of challenges, with the chasing the ball down, tireless running. Um, which isn't Gabbiadini's game. Right. Um, it's so tough to pick between them two. At the minute, at Stoke, I'd definitely go with Shane Long. Yeah, and, and they're so different that it's hard to, yeah. to kind of choose. I think you, the, the, the game and the game in the game, the style of the match that you're going to play and yeah. your tactics kind of dictate who, who, who plays of course, there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like you said, I think, I think Charlie Austin has fallen back a ways and he, you're right. He is a goal scorer. He, I can't yeah. ever stop him from scoring on FIFA. It doesn't matter who he's playing for, who, <laughs> or who I am, or what I do. But that it doesn't always translate into into him scoring yeah. for us no. in, or playing yeah. a full match, even you know. Yeah, he doesn't quite seem like he's there. So hopefully that 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 sorts itself out. Um, and then another question on Tadich here says, uh, "This is from at Saints News and Views." He says, "Do you think we need to bring in competition or a replacement for Tadich this January?" I slightly puzzled that question. Um. For me, I think Tadic has stepped his game up this season. Obviously, again, we talk about end product. It's not quite been there. But I think he's a lot more mobile. He, he chases a lot more down. He wins a lot more balls back. Um, I wouldn't be looking to replace Tadic. I'd be looking. He needs to find a partnership like we had with him and Pella. He needs that partnership, I think. And um, if we find a partnership for him and someone, I wouldn't I wouldn't say get a replacement for him. On it, you know, the stats don't lie. Uh, but other than obviously Ericsson, Ozil, Tadic is up there with some of the highest assists in since he's come to the Premier League than most other players. So um, it's finding someone or a way for him to get those assists and those goals flowing again. I wouldn't replace him. Okay. Uh, and thanks to Jack for sending in that question. I appreciate it. And and that kind of does it for most of the uh, of the questions surrounding the team do you uh you have anything else that kind of comes to mind when you think about the team no, i haven't heard of a whole lot of off-field things kind of going on that need, need discussing but anything that has kind of maybe in your mind that we didn't talk about yet um maybe just like changing up a little bit obviously hoiberg's not been involved as much this season but when you look at the midfield of lamina Romay, who does he get in there probably not um he's another player who i think similar to before has got so much potential but just hasn't worked for him yet as i said earlier i think redmond maybe just as a wake-up call just for just for one game you know drop him can't think of much else right right do you think maybe um hoiberg was on the bench yesterday for the yeah first he was time, yeah, I think, yeah. I think in a while yeah this do, season yeah do you see him maybe does, does he need to go down and play under 23 games or is there you know i don't know um because I know there's a limit one. as to how many players that can play that are over the age of 23. Yeah, and all, I mean, all kinds of weird stuff. He's not over 23 though. I think he's younger than Will Prowse. So is what? How old is Will Prowse now? Just 22? I think so. Or is he 23? But yeah, up. he's another young player, and a lot of people forget that. That um, obviously because he came from Bayern Munich, people thought he'd be the the full product already. But um, I think he's definitely one to look out for. Yeah, and I think people need to remember we don't often buy you know the full product. 
you know, no, he, that's yeah. not, that's not really how we, how we roll. Um, he is, Hoiberg's only 22. Yeah. Just so, turned 22 yeah. actually. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he, I mean, he, he should be, I guess there's no reason for then him not to at least be playing matches down there, hopefully. And hopefully we can yeah. see him kind of get in. I mean, there. eventually I, you know, obviously he got on the bench yesterday. Hopefully he'll be introduced into games eventually. Yeah. And do you see him coming in maybe for Romeo or Lamina? Cause obviously they're going to get, one of them is going to rack up yellow cards or get need to rest. Romeo and... racks, Romeo racks up yellow cards with fun, doesn't he? So, um, eventually <laughs> <laughs> there'll be, there'll be a suspension in there, but, um, it depends again, like we said earlier about the game plan. It depends entirely what, how we're going to set up against the team. If you want three physical players, because I think Hoiberg is quite strong on the ball, he's quite confident he'll put a challenge in. It depends, yeah. Like, you know, if you had a midfield three of them, it's a strong midfield. Uh-huh, yeah. All right, well, I have one more question, and it comes from Harry, who's at Harry H S F C, and he mm-hmm. asks, what size poster of Lamina do you think Pabai has in his bedroom? <laughs> uh, I don't know, life size, life size life poster. Size? Yeah. I think it's on the back of the door so nobody sees it unless he wants them to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's a life-size poster. As soon as he wakes up, he sees him and says, oh, yeah, I want to be like him. I think that's <laughs> I think that's probably about right. <laughs> that's probably about right. All right. Well, I, that, that pretty much does it for me. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I really, really do appreciate it. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah. Enjoyed it. I hope I can come back on a, a later date maybe. Oh, I absolutely. I'd love to, yeah. love to have you back on. And, um, yeah. And, and I, thank you for, for, you know, doing the things that you do with the, the Saints Foundation. I was, that, I think that's such a great thing. So thanks for, for doing that. Yeah, and, it's and, no problem. You know, hopefully things continue to go well for you guys. And of course, hopefully, yeah. Yeah. And safe travels on all your away trips, man. Yeah. Stoke next weekend. <laughs> how, how cold is it on a cold night in Stoke? Like on a cold night in Stoke. Luckily, like this season, like, we're playing good time of year. But I remember we played there in the cup a few years ago. Uh, on a midweek and it was freezing absolutely freezing I think we even played there in the league not a nice one to go to in midweek of the night it's cold it's always windy and stoke yeah where where is that like I know it's obviously everything's north of Southampton almost but like how <laughs> how, how, how how far away is that it's just well it's just past Birmingham I say just it's probably about 20-30 miles north of Birmingham so it's north enough but it's not really really far north okay it's it's north enough for them to talk differently noticeably differently <laughs> noticeably different it's sort of like a mixture i don't know if you guys have sort of heard accents over there or uh it's a sort of a mix between a brummy birmingham accent and your classic northern accent it's a strange voice okay so yeah see <laughs> I, I i always wonder about that because i always I, I always wonder what people are going to sound like when we get them on the phone you know like yeah what, and for the most part everybody it's it, it sounds fine like everybody sounds fine it doesn't make yeah. a deal yeah but all right, man. Well, I uh, appreciate your time so much. And uh, hopefully, yeah, we'll definitely talk again. Definitely, yeah. All right. Been, uh, been a good uh, good little podcast, that. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. I'd like to thank you all for joining us. I hope that you enjoyed the show. And I'd like to thank Dan for coming on the show. 
I really appreciate his time and his energy and his efforts uh, and his willingness to come on and talk. If you want to find more from him, you can do so by following him on Twitter at the Dan James or subscribing to the Ugly Inside YouTube channel and see him on the fan cams. And there's plenty of other stuff that you will enjoy there as well. You can also follow the Ugly Inside on Twitter. The links to those are in the show notes. Uh, in addition to that, be sure to visit the Saints Foundation website and follow them on Twitter to see how you can get involved and help support their efforts to change the lives of people of all ages across Southampton and the surrounding areas. Uh, Dan works for the foundation. Uh, it's a great organization associated with the Southampton Football Club, but of course their finances are separate, as Dan said. So any support that you can give them uh, in, any, in any way is much appreciated. And uh, I, I really do respect all of the work that they do. And I hope to bring you more on them in the future. Uh, while you're on social media, you can also follow this show at SFCDELL underscore IVERY on Twitter and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. There's no underscore in the Facebook address. If you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to the feed in iTunes or, or wherever else you get your podcast to be sure that you don't miss an episode. If you do that, you'll get next week's episode with Chris Hughes downloaded directly to your device without you having to do anything. And voila. More Southampton chat just for you. If you are enjoying the show, uh, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. That really is the best way to help promote the show. It helps spread the word to other people when they get on iTunes and start seeing other things. Uh, if you don't use iTunes, maybe, or, or you don't want to leave a review, share the episode with somebody, uh, download it for them, make them listen, uh, retweet the, the stuff, whatever it is. Uh, any help that you can give the show to help spread the show really, really is appreciated. So um, I think that pretty much does it for this episode. I'd like to thank you all for listening once again. Thank you for all the support. And uh, remember that until next time, together, we march on.